0: What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen.
1: well thank you so much rona downstairs uh we give thanks uh, to god for uh, as tamara prayed for this uh, facilities we have but we're just asking lord give us another more suitable facilities um as you increase and expand uh, your kingdom um Some of you don't know that there are few people down there because they can't climb the stairs. And so we're just praying, but we give thanks where we are. Good morning, friends. Now, if you don't have your Bible open, I really encourage you to open your Bible or go on your um, um, device and uh, come to this passage, and God willing, we'll be journeying through a few passages uh, through the Bible, uh, but uh, let me pray. Father, we know that you are here, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have already been speaking to us even before we gather here. And since we started the service through the call to worship, the truth through the songs, the children address, the call to serve you through the announcement, the reading of your word, the prayer, So we pray that you continue, Lord, to speak to us, that each one of us, Lord, will hear your voice. How marvelous it is that uh, you can reach out to all our needs individually, but also as a corporate body. And those who are at home watching, or wherever they are, we pray, Father, that you be glorified today. Use me as a mere vessel. Open the eyes of our heart that we may see you in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a story of uh, someone whose picture is coming on the screen. Um, Sometimes I like going to the people of the past, because they teach us quite a lot. This guy, if you don't know him, is uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd John. He was a pastor or a minister, very very influential. And, and he served the Lord uh, as, as a minister at the Westminster Chapel in London. And the story goes like this. After a morning service, one church member uh, went to the vestry, like in the office, and asked him when he was going to begin a series on Romans. And so he paused, and then his answer was like this, when I can understand Romans 6. Not Romans 9 to 11 that can be a difficult one, But Romans 6, now I can't enter in his mind as to what went on his mind, but I think he felt the need to be wrestled to the ground mentally and spiritually until the reality of this chapter has dawned on him before he could move to unpack Romans, the whole book. In fact, he went on to preach from the book of Romans, I think Steve can correct me, for 13 years. And he did that every evening on a Friday with uh, sermons. Now you think Abbey sermons are long, but uh, each sermon lasted at least uh, at least 50 minutes on a Friday evening, each Friday evening, for 13 years, faithful. I'm yet to buy his 14 volume of the commentary on, on Romans, but uh, I hope I'll get that. Friends, that is to say, there is quite a lot in Romans 6. And even in these 11 chapters, uh, Rona read it to us beautifully. There's quite a lot here, especially the breathtaking description of the Christian. There is a breathtaking description of the uh, Who is a Christian given in this chapter? Now, I'm not going to cover everything. Hopefully, God willing, we will return to this passage at least once if I'm still alive. But at least once next year, God willing. And so this morning, praying, studying, I was telling my wife, I wish I could bring my note. So I was reading and studying my note, and she said, don't bring them, otherwise uh, they're going to be terrified, thinking we're going to stay there for ages. (laughs) Wise. I'm only only going to focus uh, on verse 11, and particularly on the positive, glorious, Inspiring truth that as Christians or believers, as what comes on the screen, we are alive in Christ. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ fact, uh, we could have uh, a sermon on uh, dead to sin and a sermon on alive to God, but I'm going to focus on alive in Christ. I I want you to go home from here, if you are a Christian, thinking every time, I am alive in Christ. And if you're not yet a Christian, I will plead with you to have a faith in Jesus so that you may be alive in Jesus. The whole of this passage tells us, at least the first 11 verses, that in becoming a Christian, Through union with Christ Jesus, you become a person defined by this fact that you are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ. Alive in Christ. This is who we really are. This is who you really are, as a believer, alive in Christ Jesus. In other words, once you and I were dead spiritually, to use the language we see these days in the media, it's like to say, for a long period of time, In our lives, we were no better than hostages held in captivity of sin. But then, like that, something changed. Through our faith in Jesus, we were released from hostage, from captivity. We have been set free. And not only been set free, but also enthroned. Well you say, "Well, I don't see it up here. Where is it enthroned here? Well, this alive in Christ, elsewhere, Paul speaks about what happened to us when we were dead and to be made alive. Look at these uh, phrases that are coming on the screen. In Ephesians chapter two, verse five and six, to be made alive is one of the three experiences that uh, happened to us when God in his mercy brought Jesus to die on the cross. And as we put our faith in Jesus, once we were dead, But look what God did. He made us alive with Christ, raised us up with Christ, and we may be seated with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In fact, last Sunday, Malcolm was speaking about the last one there, the privilege we have. We are enthroned. I could not help but thinking, wow, What a position, what a place. He puts you, I, on a throne. Here is the awesome wonder of it all. Seated on his glorious throne in Christ. Someone by the name of uh, James Montgomery Boyce say this, I quote, that place in Christ at the right hand of God, the Father, is the place of intimacy and revelation. It is where God opened up his heart for us End quote. You know, today we think of the persecuting church and where folks, for instance, Christian, our brothers and sisters in Gaza cannot gather freely or elsewhere in Ukraine or any other places. A Christian in, in Gaza or in Ukraine or in everywhere where there is war, where they have been uprooted. Do you know the truth, my friend? We can be out of our home, earthly, but we will never be out of that position where Christ has blessed us. We are alive in Christ Jesus. This is who we we really are. But what does it mean? Well, there are so many things but on a typical Baptist way. So I'm gonna give three things I've been thinking. Number one, to think of ourselves as people who are alive in Christ, it means that since we put our faith in Jesus, we are united with Jesus, We have become what comes on the screen as people who are very special, special and eternal object of God's love. As you are sitting there, you are a special and eternal object of the Father's love for you. The clue is to look at Romans 5 all the way to Romans 8 to begin to see some of these things in our lives. There are some clue there. And one of them in Romans chapter five, verse five, Paul is saying to these people, do you know as a believer now, God has poured out his love in your heart by his spirit. That must have been tremendous encouragement for these people. If you read the story of the Romans to, to whom Paul was writing, I mean, some of them were also in what we can call at the bottom of the pyramid of the structure of the society. And to be told or to know that, uh, hey, we are loved by God. This is amazing. And I was thinking about the love of God. And a tremendous passage came to my mind is John chapter 17, verse 23 and uh, verse 26, where Jesus is praying for uh, the disciples, his friends, the believers. And in verse 23, an amazing thing is there. He's saying that uh, God, the Father, loves the believers in the same way he loves uh, his son, Jesus Christ. Think about the love of God the Father to his own son, Jesus Christ, his unique son. It's the same way he loves Jesus. It's the same way he loves you. I think that's tremendous. The love of God which before the creation of the physical world had its adequate object in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, now has also found home in all those who put their faith in Jesus. The love of God. Friends, that we should be so loved in this way Seems almost incredible, but there it is, subject of divine love, love divine, all loves excelling. No wonder when Paul himself thinks about this love, we can just say, oh how he loves us. Because in chapter 8, verse 38 to verse 39, as Paul in Romans, we are back to Romans, as Paul himself ransacked the whole universe to try to search for something that might be conceivable in terms of making us to be separate from the love of God. As he goes on, he points out to one, he dismisses that, another one, he dismisses that, another one, he dismisses that. He comes to a conclusion say, there is nothing, absolutely nothing. And then that's why he goes to say, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, or neither nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No wonder these words, my friends, are words of triumph, And there's been words of triumph um, in terms of a song for those who have died as martyrs, as today we speak or think of the persecuted church. And these words are the joy for those of us who live the martyr's lives, really. No wonder Paul himself elsewhere as he thought, he thought about uh, how God loves us as believers, and he said, "I need to pray for these people. They have been a Christian for a long time, but I just pray that God may grant them the power so that they may grasp uh, how long, how wide, how high, how deep is the love of God. That's a love that surpasses all." Understanding. I just pray, folks, that uh, before we leave this place, we may know how we are loved. How does it help you to know that you are loved? Well, I think this. If you know that uh, I am alive in Christ in the way that I have become an object of God's love for me, then this will take away a sense of hopelessness and despair that we too often feel in our lives. Take away that. I was reading a biography, uh, a book was given to me by Lindsay, I don't know whether he's here, I was downstairs, and this uh, this guy was coming on the screen, I think. um, Hudson Taylor. And it's amazing because uh, When he passed through tough time and testing time in his life, his wife have just died and left him with a child. A child after a few months became seriously ill and he's far away from England in China there and a few, some of his children are still in England. Life is so hard. And he's thinking about a God who loves him. And he knows that this God cares for me. Because when God loves, he cares. And then he writes a letter to his sister. And this is what he says When my agony of soul was at the height, I looked at Jesus and saw that. He has said, "I will never leave you." Ah, there is rest. I will strive no more, for has he not promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me? Ah dear, I think that's uh, old English. He never will. Hudson Teller. Find rest in this little word, never. Knowing God loves him, and he knows that the word never appears many a time in the Bible. As he reflected, he said, I can find that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirst. Friends, I don't know what your thirst of minds are these days. The thirst of your body. The thirst of your desires, of your souls. But there is a satisfaction in Jesus who loves us. To know that we are alive in Christ in this this understanding that you have become the object of God's love will also help us fight against the sin. That's a passage which our dear brother and friend, Clay, is going to bring next Sunday. The following passage where we hear then do not let sin rule over you. This is the understanding. Once we understand this, then it will help us to fight against the sin, but also against all the attacks of the evil that comes against us. Sometimes these attacks of the evil comes in the way, feeling you are rejected. You are unloved. You are left out. When you think you are unloved by your spouse, by your father, by your mother, by your brother, by your sister, by your friend, by your boss at work or a colleague at work, by your pastor, or by a church member, when you feel unloved or the love of this person begin to grow cold, Oh, may you know God's love for you will never be grow cold. In other words, let them not love you, be feeling you are rejected and feeling as if no one cares, But you have to remind yourself, that's what the command here, in fact, by the way, I was thrilled because it's the first command that we find in Romans since we started. Count yourself, keep reminding yourself, keep thinking of yourself, I am loved. Loved in the same way God loves me. In the same way God loves his son. I am special. I am a child of God. This is not wishful thinking, but is a reality. Number two, not only you have become a special and eternal object of God's love, but you have become, as it comes on the screen, special object of all God's special blessings. In other words, you have now entered into the realm of uh, the blessing of god now let me say this put it this way unbelievers those who are not yet christian they also enjoy what we can call general or uh, common blessing of god such as the rain in scotland we don't like too much rain but if you live in a place like a Congo where it is dry, then you need rain. So the rain can fall in your garden, whether you are a believer or unbelievers. We need crops to grow, otherwise we won't survive. Whether you are a believer or unbeliever, when the rain comes, it falls in your, your farm. Unbelievers also enjoy sometimes good health. They have a lot of money. They have power. They have strength. But when you look at it fundamentally, unbeliever, he's still miserable. And they have tragedy. Why? Because eh, they are cut off from the special blessing of God. But we believers, in that chapter 5, verse 2, already tells us, through Faith in Jesus Christ, we have earned access into the grace of God where we stand. And that word grace, my goodness, there is a lot there. And those other passages, we have earned access to the Father. We can approach God Now, if you're not yet convinced that there are special blessings for believers, then read the next passage, which is coming on the screen. Where you see there, Paul is just listing at least a few of those blessings that have come to us. And all of them started by saying, in Christ we have this. In Christ we have been blessed with this. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Tremendous spiritual blessings. No wonder Peter, another apostle, say, In Christ we have been given God's very great and precious promises that we will have an inheritance that will never never perish or spoil or fade, kept for us. Now this has a tremendous impact for us, particularly in these days we are living in. If we understand that we are alive in Christ in this way that we have earned access to this God's special blessing for us, then my friend, Even in the midst of suffering, you can, I can, we can still have a genuine, genuine smile. In the midst of trial, Peter said, when we think of what has been given to us and promised to us, In this, we rejoice even though for a little while we may still have to suffer grief and all kinds of trial. Friends, you see when we think about this, it helps us to fight against also the temptation You see, when you know you are tremendously blessed from these blessings that uh, sometimes we can't see them because uh, our mind is more uh, tuned to what we see, but normally in the spiritual realm, we should be thinking more on uh, what is unseen. Then we will be like... uh, um, The story of Augustine came back again to my mind. I read uh, this a long time ago, but I was preparing this. uh, The story of Augustine uh, came to my mind. One day he was approached by a woman who um, had been his mistress uh, before his conversion. And so when he turned and walked away quickly, this woman called uh, after him, Augustine! It's me, it's me. Now, Augustine has already become a Christian. And so, Augustine, quickening his pace, he called back over his shoulder. Ha ha! yes, I know. But it's no longer me. In other words, those are the past. Now is the future. I am alive in Christ. I don't know what is whispering in your mind this way, this, in this way, it's me, it's me, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. But I pray that you may say yes, but it's no longer me. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. And even if you fell to sin, that's where the good news is. Remember, you are alive eh, in Christ, eh, seated there, and Christ where He is, and he is the one who is in our ad, ad, advocate, that we can still say, "Help me. I've blown it out, and I need your forgiveness, and he does. Let me finish with the third one quickly. Being alive in Christ, not only we are object of this love of the Father or object of all the blessings from the Father, but we are also special object of God's wonderful purpose. Now, we will come back to Romans later on, but look, there's already a clue there in Romans 8 where Paul is mentioning this and saying, you know, for those who love God, in other words, those who are already believers, God is working out his purpose in your life. And this include even difficulties Challenges of life. He has the power to bring all that for your good. Even when this good cannot be seen now. But he has the power to work this. Because Paul goes on elsewhere to say, the purpose of God in our lives, my friend, as this passage which comes us on the screen also tells us, That uh, God, one of his purpose for you and for the church is that we may be whole. We may be holy. We may be blameless. So whatever is going on in your life, God can still work out these purposes, but also the ultimate goal that he has is to make us whole and holy. And even in chapter 5 of Ephesians, which is normally is preached during marriage or weddings, we hear that the reason Christ died is so that he may present the church to himself as pure, blameless, without any wrinkle. God is doing the work. But the good news is, you think, oh, I, I'm tired of working this. Yes, there is a place, like this command, do not do this. But actually, the purpose of God, he's the one who is working out his purposes. He's the one who's working out his purposes. And elsewhere, in, I think that's the last verse that you are going to read today, is that in that passage, Paul is convinced that the work of salvation that has started in our lives, God doesn't stop halfway. He will bring it to completion. In other words, my friend, whatever goes on in your life, and partly this is very significant today, when we live in uncertain, unstable, and troubling days, That we need to be counting ourselves, reminding ourselves, thinking ourselves, keep on thinking that we are alive in Jesus who is working out his purposes or God is working out his purposes in our lives. No matter what happens, God's purposes stand. In other words, I plead, don't listen to the voice of the devil. He might rob your loved ones from you. He might smash, he might smash your relationship, your marriage. He may match your business he may try to steal your future try to steal your brightness try to steal your prospect of life and you think nothing is going to happen again in my life that's the devil in your mind he's bringing this and sometimes you see this is a reality let him take these things away the truth is Alive in Christ. That's hard. I know a little bit uh, the pain of bereavement. I talked about it last the previous Sunday. I lost my mom, I lost my dad. I lost the two brothers within a space of three months. One died in my hand. Another one was killed, and I could not see where they buried because he was far away. I know. And I've lost some relatives, relatives in Christ here, dear ones. It's painful when sometimes these loved ones are robbed from our eye, from us. I know what it is to go through. Paying some time of health. Scary. I may not be in your shoes because your situation is different. And I don't pretend to say, I understand. No. But the truth is, my friend, whatever happened, we are alive in Christ. That is who we are. So let me finish by saying to anyone here who is not yet a a Christian, would you seize the opportunity today to say, I want to be a special and eternal object of God the Father. I want to be among those who enjoy the blessings of God the Father. I want to be among those for whom God has a purpose. And the only thing to do is to put your faith in Jesus. Turn away from your way of life. Bless your faith in Jesus. For all of us who are already Christian, Here is a command, the first one since we started the Romans, and it is for our benefit. Keep on thinking that you are alive in Christ. Let this dawn in your heart, in your mind. Keep reminding yourself that I was made alive. I was raised up. I was seated. And I am with Christ. And so, I am a new creation. And my eyes will focus on the things above, not on the things below. For I have died. And I'm alive in Christ. And when he shall come, If I die already before He comes, I will appear with Him in glory. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand between the two worlds, each trying to pull us, the world of this earthly thing and the world of the heavenly one. We do pray, Father, that you help us to quit sinning And live a life that is anew. Lord, help us in reminding us each day to truly think of who we are in Christ. Not about something we have done, but He did it all as He paid the price so that we may know that we are new creation, people who are loved, people who are tremendously blessed, people for whom God has a purpose. Open our eyes and may this truth be printed in the heart of each one of us. Help anyone who is not yet a Christian, O Lord, to bring him or her before this reality so that they may be rejoicing in heaven. To you we give the glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.